You're listening to a Radio 1 91FM podcast. That it is time for the Auntie L interview. So in case you have been living under a rock your entire life, <laughs> Auntie L is a DJ based out of Wellington. She is absolutely incredible. She used to be a professional rower and she's now shifted to working your standard nine to five and then killing the dance floors at night, which is so, so epic. I have been going to her gigs for a while now, like over a year, a year and a half maybe, like consistently as often as I'm in Wellington I'm probably at one of her gigs and she just brings the most incredible energy her sets are always so dynamic and so much fun and she is so incredibly good at reading the crowd and feeding the hungry ravers what they needed to eat but enough yarns she has some incredible thoughts to share and just good good chat as a whole to be completely honest with you so without any further ado here is auntie l also (laughs) i feel like i should say before i get even even this far into it i still get really really giddy when i talk to um artists who i really admire or whose music i really enjoy or in in any sense if i admire them i just get really giddy and I listened back to the interviews and I just oh man it's it's so hard to not cringe you know but it is genuine excitement and it is genuine adoration for the person and people and you know you can't sit there and tell me you wouldn't do the same you know if you were talking to some of your favorite artists you would absolutely be the same so I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. If I'm a little weird in the interviews, it's because I'm nervous and I'm excited and I'm just, you know, so into the conversation that I just, ah, oh, man, it's like talking to God. <laughs> Anyways, here is the Auntie L interview. Enjoy, my friends. You are tuned in to Stomping Grounds here on Radio 1 91FM. My name is Candice and I am joined by the one and only Auntie L. How are you Kilda. doing today? Hey, I'm doing really well. Nice to meet you online, Candice. Oh, Radio <laughs> One people. Hello. <laughs> oh, we are so, so chuffed to have you on the show tonight. Oh, thank you. What have you been up to lately? Uh, lately, I've just been doing a whole bunch of shows, really. Um, last weekend, I was in Auckland. And I did like the Masquerade Ball, um, which was really fun and an event called Deep Heart and Funky. So, yeah, I've just been playing a lot of music recently um, here in Wellington and and in Auckland. Um, and I've just been really enjoying it. So, yeah, I've been doing a few shows, uh, just pumping through my nine to five as well. So <laughs> it's been a bit of a juggling act, but um, I love it. I love being busy and, yeah, all been really fun shows so far. I absolutely love, love, love watching you rip the stage. And every time I've seen you play, it's felt different every time, of course, in the best ways possible. What is your process for putting a set together? Uh, Yeah, it's like, I think because I play 
quite a lot now, like I usually do at least a show once a week. Um, I'm kind of thinking about what the promoters trying to curate um, through their lineup and who might be the people walking through the door um, and sort of adjust my my music selection to kind of fit what I think the crowd is going to be most into at that time. Um, I like I like all music, uh, bar bar a couple of genres. We can get into that later, but um, yeah, my kind of prep for it is just like I've got I've got a shitload of music, and I just go through it and kind of stick in a folder, you know, maybe a hundred to one hundred and fifty tracks that I think are going to work well for the night, and yeah, just basically sift through that on the night and put together a set that I think um, is going to gonna uh, land with the audience so yeah I don't I don't like to do too much preparation anymore in terms of ordering tunes in a specific set list Um, I kind of like to surprise myself on the night and and see where see where the crowd kind of takes it with with their energy and um, yeah hence why they've you've probably might have heard some of my sets can sound a bit different but (laughs) Um, that's kind of reflective of my personality too. And, and what I like is is very broad. So um, I like to bring that to the shows I play and just hope for the best that the audience likes what they hear. <laughs> yeah. You remind me of a really interesting point uh, while you started talking there. There is often the argument in especially the electronic music scene with promoters booking artists and about mm-hmm. how much of the responsibility of not burning out the crowd comes with the promoters who are booking the DJs in a certain order or if it's the mm-hmm. DJ's responsibility to respect whoever's coming before or after them. Mm. Yeah, that's a really, it's it's an interesting topic. Um, I think when, it, it really depends on like how, how I've been booked. So like if I'm going to a show and there's a definite headliner and I might be on support for them, like I might be playing before them, um, I'm going to be a little bit more particular about, yeah, not burning the crowd out uh, before like the main kind of the main course gets served. If we're thinking about it like a <laughs> restaurant, um, but yeah, it, it just depends, right? Like some some lineups I'll get put on and everyone's kind of, there is no headliner. It's more you're invited to come to a party and you're there to witness, you know, a bunch of artists that are going to bring their own sound. Um, and in those kind of situations, you know, I don't have any expectation of uh, the person playing before me is going to play a way more chill set than what I'm going to play, you know, because everyone's kind of been booked on the same grounds to kind of do their own thing. Um, So I think it's just kind of up to us as DJs when we are getting booked, you know, is your intention for me to be on support for the next person coming up or am I kind of booked? Is this this event you're putting on more of like a party where people can just kind of play what they want when they want and people have come to see that specific artist rip it up at whatever time it is? Um, so yeah, I like to just make sure that I've got as much information about that as possible before I start playing, um, just so that I know, you know, where I kind of can go with my set. Um, and yeah, usually like if I know who's playing before and after me and I know kind of what vibe they like to put out, I quite like to 
set the floor like I'll, I'll go into a set um and for like the mid part of the set I'll kind of take it whichever which direction I want to but then if I know there's like a very disco heavy DJ coming on after me I'll kind of bring bring that bring my vibe around to like setting it up for that person to go in that direction um so yeah it's it's just about understanding that and I think the more you do shows and the more you just ask questions and and work with the promoters um you get around to navigating that. So yeah, I think it's different every time. I had actually, I, I talked to Flamingo Pear about that once when I was on a lineup with them playing much later. And they said, yeah, like it just depends on the kind of event it is. Is it a party or is there a headliner with um, very clear support acts? And that'll kind of derive what, what should happen throughout the the night. But if I am put on in an early slot, like I'm, I'm probably not going to, go out there and put on some hardcore 140 techno rave trance, you know, because uh, that would be kind of random at maybe 4 p.m. in the afternoon. There's a whole lot of people coming after. So, yeah, just just using common sense and um, and having as much dialogue with the people you're working around to sort of navigate that is how I kind of do it. So, yeah. Wow, definitely. And that is such a lovely and considerate way of looking at it. And I really liked how you emphasized knowing who else is on the lineup with you and yeah. not not necessarily making it a competition, you know, like you're all oh, there absolutely to not. collaborate to a final product. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, yeah, like I work in business and like um, – something that I consistently think about when I am going to play a party or a show is like that customer journey. You know, if I was someone that bought a ticket to come to this event, you know, what kind of, what would I be hoping for or want my night to kind of be like? Um, and so, yeah, really just respecting and looking out into the crowd and seeing like what kind of energy is our people bringing? What do you think that they want? And then also respect, yeah, respecting who's who's before and after you and, and what the promoter might have had in mind with how they've set up the lineup. But yeah, it all just comes into play with with what you might end up picking to play music wise. Hence and- why like I think, you know, coming with a set plan into a set can be dangerous because if you've if you've got this set list and you're like, this is what it's gonna be and I can't deviate or change it. Um, yeah, you can end up playing the complete wrong vibe at the wrong time. It might be a really awesome set, but it might not be quite right for the time frame you're playing or for who's playing mm. after you. So, yeah, just being able to be flexible in the moment and having a wide repertoire of music to lean towards, um, it can be really helpful to ensure you don't stuff up the vibe. <laughs> Fair enough. You kind of touched on it a little bit there, but what advice would you give to newer or up-and-coming DJs to gain that confidence to be able to read the crowd and to be able to adapt to the vibe, I suppose? Yeah, I think um, it's really, it's just important to try and play out. Um, and Even if that's at your own house parties with your own mates 
or I don't know, any, any kind of opportunity where you can test out your music and how it gets responded to um, allows you to practice that skill of getting better at, at reading the crowd. I started off um, doing kind of as doing house parties with my friends and then I started doing quite a bit of bar work um, around Wellington, where I, which I, of which I didn't really promote. I'd just go and play at random bars. I still do it, actually, to this day. <laughs> um, and it's a really awesome way to kind of test, test your music and to test your ability to read what people might want at any given stage of a night. Um, so, yeah, if I was starting out and wanted some advice around that, it's just to seek out opportunities as best you can to play in front of people. Don't worry too much about what happens because um, whatever happens, you're going to learn from it and you're going to be better the next time you go out in front of a crowd because you will have learned from what worked well and what did it the last time you played. So, yeah, I'd just say, like, um, as you're starting out, you know, don't be too picky about what you play or what you get booked for. Um, Just play them, play the shows Um, and see what works and what doesn't and then kind of you can start to navigate yourself into a direction after kind of collecting a base level of experience of playing shows. You kind of need to allow yourself room to make mistakes and I know for a lot of people, myself particularly, it can be really challenging uh, to make those mistakes and accept that you know you're going to play a bad set or mm. your fir- you know like your first sets mm. aren't going to be your best sets and even far down the track you're still going to make mistakes like how do you sort of balance uh, making those mistakes and not taking them to heart? Mm. I think yeah like <laughs> you're going to make mistakes it's just that's a given Um, But I think it's how you kind of wear those mistakes and come back from them. Like, oh, gosh, I've I've done things where, like, I've accidentally stopped the music or my USB has been corrupted mid-set, and I'm like, how the heck am I going to get myself out of this one? (laughs) Um, But you've just got to kind of, yeah, I think when you start out and you make mistakes, you really, really dwell on them or I I really dwelled on them and I thought oh god I'm never going to get booked again but like nine times out of ten the only thing that's going to happen is people in the crowd might go oh my god she fucked up or like like they might talk about it for a second there and then they will 100% forget about it um so yeah I just like think about what caused your mistake you know what what can you do next time to prevent to prevent that from happening and then you just end up making less and less um but yeah I don't think people need to get despondent after making mistakes usually if I like hear a set and I don't hear one mistake I'm like you're probably not like pushing your boundaries hard enough with what Mm -hmm. you can do um so I see like mistakes as is like a blessing you know it means you're learning it's it means you're still pushing yourself and pushing your your sound that you're wanting wanting to go for and that's only going to make you better and better um so yeah I just just don't dwell on them keep going no one cares about your mistakes as much as you do and um 
yeah, eventually they your mistakes will just become less and you just get a bit better. I do have a few shows lined up. Uh, lineups are to be announced, so I can't be um, saying exactly where <laughs> I'll be playing, but I am going to be down in the South Island um, over December and I'm playing mm-hmm. um, a quite a cool underground techno festival that most people will know about here <laughs> in um, Pornicky. <laughs> And uh, a couple of other shows just in negotiation about at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's starting to take shape. Um, I'm very excited to be able to do another New Zealand New Zealand summer. I think hopefully, fingers crossed, Omicron is done and dusted by then and they all go ahead as, as planned. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be around New Zealand. I'm going to be doing some shows in the South Island and in the North Island and... I'm just so excited for a day. I'm going to bring my best, bring my best A game. (laughs) Very, very excited to see you at some of your upcoming shows. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to um, see whoever's there. Where can we find you on the socials? Oh, yes, the socials. Um, My social Instagram account, I don't have a Facebook account. I think it's a little bit dated, but um, you can find me on Instagram at uh, auntie underscore owls with an E-L-Z. And, yeah, I'll I'll be posting up different stuff about, yeah, upcoming shows or just random life chat yarns, you know. So, yeah. Check us a follow if you're interested. (laughs) What a treat. Thank you so much for your time. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Oh, good. Thank you for having me, Candice. Of course. Any time. We will catch you down here in Dunedin in October. Sweet as. Thank you very much. Ah, what the heck? (laughs) Listening back to that was like (laughs) such a weird experience. In case you missed it, that was Auntie L, an interview with me, Candice, here on Stomping Grounds, only on Radio 1, every Thursday evening from 7 till 9pm. I just, oh man, I just adore her. Not to sound like all those like super indie, ulti, like, Wattpad novels, but I just I just love the way her brain works. <laughs> like, it, it just makes so much sense to mine. Um, and, I don't know, if, if that expression resonates with you, then you are my type of person. <laughs> that was so much fun. So, so insightful, specifically around the issue of, you know, whose responsibility is it to not burn out the crowd when you're at a gig? I think that it is an issue which is super common in drum and bass. Uh, In Dunedin, for example, uh, I'd say like the main big genres of drum and bass are, you know, rollers, neuro or jump up. Uh, And those are quite heavy (laughs) genres of drum and bass in terms of if you compare it to liquid, for example, like somebody playing liquid after jump up or after neuro is going to bring down the energy and that's not necessarily a bad thing that could be exactly what you'd want uh, but then again also certain artists and certain DJs specialize in certain genres and then if 
a neuro DJ gets booked in the 10 p.m. slot, and a liquid DJ gets booked at the 12 p.m. slot. Like, you know, the it, it's a bit of personal accountability, as Auntie L said. Like, it's knowing who's on the lineup with you and just taking social responsibility in terms of working towards like a final product, a final vibe together, and just creating an epic night, <laughs> which is basically all that anybody could want coming into a gig. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more of them at r1.co.nz forward slash podcast.